day, this opportunity to be in your house here to start the week off, Father, just to worship you in spirit and truth here and give you first place in our lives and in our week that's coming up, Father. We, we do want to pray for all those that uh, are hurting physically, Father, that need your help with their physical needs. I just pray that you place your healing hand upon them and lift them up, encourage them, give them the health and strength they need. We do thank Brother Wall this morning as he's over in Haiti, Father, that you would just place a hedge of protection about him, keep him safe, give him wisdom over there, helping him to be a blessing to those people over there, Father. Uh, Father, as we look into your word here this morning, we, we do ask that you teach us from your word here today, Father. I just pray that we'd be better equipped to serve you in the days ahead. Father, we think of the the nursing home service today also that you would bless that that those dear residents their hearts would be encouraged today father we just ask that you would bless this time together centered around your word in jesus name we pray amen 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 philippians chapter 2 and verse 1 if there be therefore any consolation in christ if any comfort of love if any fellowship of the spirit if any bowels and mercies Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Well, in verse 1, the, the sets of words, if any, are repeated four times in one verse. Verse 1 there, if there be any consolation in Christ, if any, comfort of love, if any, fellowship of the Spirit, if any, bowels and mercies. Now this morning, if, if someone would have said around your house, is there any bread? Is there any milk? Is there any cereal? Are there any plates? Is there any clean silverware? Um, if someone asks that question, what does it put in your mind? It's like, it's questionable. Do we have any bread left? Um, if there's none in the cupboard, is there some in the freezer? Um, cereal, uh, I don't see any cereal in the cupboard. Is there any in the pantry? Um, if somebody's asking if there's any forks, does that mean the, the silverware drawer is empty? Um, so if you say something like, is there any, is there any, is there any, it kind of gives you that idea like there's not abundance. You know, would someone say, is there any bread? Would they ask that question if the cupboard was full of bread? Would someone open their refrigerator and say, is there any milk? If they could clearly see there's some right there. Um, well, no, no, normally we don't say, ask, is there any unless it's kind of scarce. And so as you think about that, at least that's our thought in English. Uh, if you, if you, especially if you, in just one verse, you were to ask, if any, if any, if any, you would wonder, well, is there any? Is there any? There must be not an abundance of it. And so what were the topics here? Well, he said, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any 
fellowship of the spirit, if any, bowels and mercies. <clears throat> As I mentioned Wednesday night, Brother Jesse had said something to me during the week. He had texted and said uh, something like, how's, how's the sick life going? Um, uh, let's see. Um, something like, you probably feel more loved than ever or something like that. And and I just wrote him back and said, well, what you said is true. <laughs> uh, you know, when, um, when you're hurting and people are showing their love, uh, it is. It is great. It's great to know, verse 1, that there's consolation in Christ. It's great to know, verse 1, that there's comfort of love. It's great to know, verse 1, that... There's the fellowship of the Spirit. It's great to know, verse 1, that people have bowels and mercies for you, um, that they're moved, that they're touched. Um, when it comes to the medical field, like uh, pray for Brother Luke, he's out there on the front lines this morning, but when it comes to the medical field, um, bowels and mercies for people hurting um, you have to be careful of letting your feelings um, go because then you can't help anyone. Um, I recall when our daughter Holly was little in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and she had tripped over one of my grandfather's feet and had to take her to the hospital and get sewed up. And they asked me, do you want to, well, actually, well, yeah, it was that one too. She did this. Twice, once she hit a porch, too, and had to get sewed up. But I believe it was that one. And uh, they asked me if I wanted to stay in. And I said, sure, you know, here's my little girl crying and hurting. And I can't just walk out and leave her with all these strangers. But I got feeling so lightheaded when they opened up that wound and started cleaning it. And, and uh, you just... You have to be careful on how much pain you try to feel for somebody else in those situations, or you can't be of any help to them. Uh, but we think of, as Christians, verse 1, what a blessing it is that when we are hurting in some way, whether physically or spiritually, however, isn't it so good to know you have some true friends um, that will comfort you and help you? When I think of the first one there, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ. Now, sometimes we think, of, you know, at least years ago, they used to say, well, the consolation prize is, you know, whether you'd run a race or some other contest, some other giveaway. Usually, if you had got the consolation prize, you didn't get the first prize. Okay. But the Bible says here, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ. This is, this is not to say, well, sorry, but you didn't win. And as a little token of our appreciation, we're going to give you, you know, this, whatever it is. No, in, I think it's best illustrated by going to uh, Acts 4. Think of Barnabas. He was called the son of consolation. I think of how many people Barnabas helped in his life, and encouraged. <clears throat> I pray that each of us could be an encouragement to someone. You know, we, we may think, well, my life's never going to amount to much, but, 
but maybe I can be an encouragement to someone else whose life will. I remember uh, when we lived in Chattanooga, the pastor every once in a while would talk about the Sunday school teacher who led him to the Lord. Her name was Daisy Hawes. How I remember that, I don't know. I guess I just heard it. Um, How many people in this world know the name Daisy Hawes compared to Dr. Lee Robertson? Well, the fraction would be, (laughs) who, who knows how small, Daisy Hawes? Who is Daisy Hawes? Lee Robertson? Well, I, you type in Lee Robertson online and you'll come up with his books and maybe some YouTube messages, something. But Daisy Hawes? But it was Daisy Hawes that was the one who, in Sunday school, asked all her students, little boys, um, you know, if they knew the Lord as their Savior. And Lee Robertson didn't. But that day, he did, after that. Um, so, you know, I don't know how Daisy Hawes felt about, felt about her life. It was just a little country church, I believe. And um, she may have thought, well, my life, hmm. you know, I'll never amount to, to nothing. But, but you know what? She was a great consolation to this young man. And uh, he got saved. And he went on to preach the gospel, and many were saved through his ministry. But in Acts 4.31, we think of Barnabas. Acts 4.31, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of what? One heart. Isn't it good to be amongst Christians that you're one heart with, amen, praise God. One, we're of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things coming. If you needed um, to get uh, a tow or you needed a car dolly, there's someone in here you could call who's been called many times uh, that owns one of those and has gone sometimes hours in one direction just to pick up somebody. And you know who that is. It's Brother Jim. Uh, And here, the Christians, if someone was in need, all you had to do was ask. That's all you had to do was ask. And I feel like there's a group here like that. You know what? If someone was in need of something, help, All you'd have to do is ask, and uh, anyone in here would would gladly help you, um, let you borrow something if you need it, or come to your aid. Uh, What a blessing. That's that's like with Barnabas as well. Um, Verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. What does the resurrection have to do with us? What, what is its power? Well, its power is that we live a new life in Christ. You know, the world thinks that Christians are basically already dead. I mean, they, they think we, we don't have any fun. How wrong they are. How wrong they are. Um, the things they do that they call fun are not fun at all. 
Getting drunk? How much fun is that? Uh, well, where does the world end up after being drunk? Well, sometimes in jail. Um, sometimes they were in an accident. Sometimes they kill other people. Um, sometimes they in, just injure other people. Uh, sometimes they don't injure anyone, but they're caught by the police. They don't remember what happened, but they wake up in jail. Uh, they wake up with a hangover the next morning, a headache. No, we don't call that fun. Um, so the power of the resurrection is the power to live a new life. Um, if you hold your place here and turn to me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And of course, baptism pictures um, this, the resurrection. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into what? His death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was what? Raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in what? Newness of life. So <clears throat> the resurrection. The resurrection is to us proves that Jesus' death was sufficient to pay for all of our sins because the wages of sin is what? Death. So if Jesus could, if Jesus indeed paid that wage for us, there's no way that death could hold him. He paid the price and death could not hold him. He rose from the grave. And that thought there, uh, we have a new life in Christ. And then in verse 34, neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So Barnabas, we see, got that name from the apostles. Why did they call him Barnabas instead of Joseph? Well, it's because he was the son of consolation. They called him Barnabas because that's what it meant. Son of consolation. The great encourager. Has there any, been anyone in your life that has been a great encouragement to you as you've walked along? Um, what a wonderful thing. And that's what Barnabas was to the, the disciples, to the apostles. He was the great encourager. Isn't it wonderful to know that, that there are others that are serving the Lord and that, that if you are down, they are there to encourage you. They are a great consolation to you as you walk through this life. Well, that was Barnabas. You'll notice it says in verse 36, he was a Levite. So he was in the priestly tribe. But like John the Baptist, who was also in the priestly tribe, John the Baptist was not raised in the schools of the priests. 
Why? Because it was thoroughly corrupt. They were doctrinally corrupt. They were practically speaking corrupt. They were corrupt in, in their beliefs. They were corrupt in the way they were living. Jesus told them in Matthew 23, they were like graves, whited sepulchers, full of dead men's bones. On the outside, they looked beautiful, but on the inside, it's like going to a cemetery and seeing the beautiful granite and marble. But what is, what is housed under that granite and marble? Dead men's bones, dead people's bones. And that's what Jesus said the, the, the religious leaders were like. They're like a graveyard, beautiful on the outside, dead on the inside. But, so Barnabas was another one of those who in this time uh, was, was not taking part in the corrupt ministry that was going on. It was thoroughly corrupt. And so Barnabas, what a great consolation. So if Barnabas was around, no one would say, is there any consolation around here? Is there any encouragement around here? Is there any refreshment around here? Nobody would say that when Barnabas was here because he was a great encourager. And when it comes to it, I mean, he not only lets you borrow the tools out of his garage, he, when there was need, he, he sold his land and he just brought it and laid it at the apostles' feet. And when you think about that, when I think about that, I think it makes me think of the Old Testament. And it makes me think what the Egyptians said to Joseph when. Um, they had given all their money for food one year. Then the next year they gave all their cattle. And it came down to it, all they had left was their land and themselves. And let's see what they said in verse, uh, Genesis 47. Genesis 47, we'll pick up in verse 13. What did they say when it got down to the nitty-gritty? All they, all they had left was their land and themselves. In Genesis 47, 13. Genesis 47, 13. And there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth. And Joseph said, What? Give your cattle. And I will give you for your cattle if money fail. And they brought their cattle unto Joseph. And Joseph gave them bread in exchange for horses and for, flo for the flocks. And for the cattle of the herds, and for the asses, and he fed them with bread for all their cattle for that year. When that year was ended, they came unto him the second year and said unto him, We will not hide it from my Lord, that our money is spent. My Lord also hath our herds of cattle. There is not off left in the sight of my Lord, but what? 
our bodies and what? Our lands. And notice what they say to him, verse 19. Wherefore shall we die before thine eyes, both we and our land? What did they say next? Buy us and our land for bread. For we and our land will be what? Servants unto Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land be not desolate. So they said in verse 19, buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants unto Pharaoh. When Barnabas, the, the son of consolation, sold his land and brought all the money and laid it at the feet of the apostles, he was not really just giving his land to them and to the Lord's. He was giving his life to the Lord because where do I go now? What do I do? I don't have any land. I've just sold all my land and I've given all the money. He was from the tribe of Levi. Did you expect him to go with all those corrupt people now and say, well, I don't have any land anymore. I've given away all my money from it. It's all the Lord's. It's all his people's. So what am I supposed to do? I am not going to work um, with those corrupt, wicked, hypocritical, um, so-called priests. Not going to do it. What was he to do? I mean, he was giving his life. When he sold his land, he, he, he was giving his all to the Lord. Um, and as you know, notice with me then in Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, it really reminds us, doesn't it, of, of us in our lives. In Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present what? Your bodies. Your bodies a what? Living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be your transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When I think of Barnabas, so I think of the, the son of consolation, the great encourager. Um, if you go to Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9. Um, in Acts chapter 9 and verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So we know how wicked Saul was. Uh, whether it was men or women, he didn't care. If they were Christians, he was breathing out slaughter, and imprisonment against them. And so we see in this chapter here, he has his Damascus Road experience, and then God calls Ananias to go to him, and Ananias is kind of fearful of that at first, and rightly so. Uh, but then uh, Saul, later Paul, begins to preach the gospel, and, but, but people were afraid of him. And notice in verse 26, Acts 9, 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all what? Afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But who? Barnabas took him 
and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So it was Barnabas. It was Barnabas, the great encourager. Here's, here's this man who's lived a, a wicked, angry life against Christians. And, and then he, he actually does get saved, but no one trusts him. They just think he's trying to infiltrate them so he can, can get something against them and imprison them, kill them. Uh, but Barnabas, the great encourager, comes along. Well, eventually persecution arises and they, they send um, Saul back to Tarsus. Um, but later on, um, notice in chapter 11, uh, and Barnabas goes about his work. He's encouraging Christians here and there. And he ends up at Antioch, uh, the new center for missions. And he gets an idea. You know what? I need to go get Saul. I need to go get Paul. Maybe I can encourage him. He knew Paul had a lot of scripture in his head from all those years. Um, and he knew he had to be sent back home. But maybe out in Antioch, away from Judea, Jerusalem, all the Jews, maybe, maybe here Paul could blossom and preach the gospel. And in Acts eleven nineteen. Acts eleven nineteen. Now, now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth who? Barnabas. Barnabas. Ah, there's a new group out there that needs encouraging. Let's send Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was what? Good a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for what? To seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So the great consoler... So if we, as we think back in closing of Philippians 2, 1, is there any consolation? Can you find it anymore? Can you find any encouragement anymore? Can you find anyone to encourage you in the Lord? When David, uh, the Philistines had burnt Ziklag and David and his men came back there, his, his own men spake of stoning him. And he encouraged himself, what? In the Lord. Was there anyone to console him, to encourage him, to refresh him? No, except the Lord. I pray that in our lives that we would be like Barnabas, that we'd be great encouragers, that we would be 
a great refreshment to Christians wherever we go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the life of Barnabas. What a consolation he was. What a refreshment. What a blessing to the lives of so many. And Lord, um, you tell us not to seek great things for ourselves. But Lord, we, we do pray that we could be a consolation to others, uh, a refreshment, an encouragement to others to walk with the Lord, to serve the Lord. And Lord, may you help us to accomplish that this week. In Jesus' name, amen.